Brothers and sisters in Christ, I now invite you to take your Bible and read with me from um, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13 to 28, and the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 to 32. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of, the, of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far it be from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will 
repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's turn to Luke chapter 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Our text is Matthew 16, uh, 16 to 23. So I will read uh, this again to you. Matthew 16, verses 16 to 23. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. For the time, from the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Gate behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. Beloved brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, Once a young man told his friends, I know my dad well. 
But sometimes I do not understand him, said this young man. And if this happens, things go wrong. It is not easy to discern his thoughts. And sometimes, what is good according to me is not good in the eyes of my dad. Brothers and sisters, this is a story. Have you ever experienced such a situation in which you do not understand those who are close to you? Those with whom you interact every single day. With this story, I would like to share with you God's word with this theme. The gift of knowing Christ and the risk, the risk of misunderstanding him. And we will speak about two things. Knowing Jesus brings happiness or brings blessings and misunderstanding Jesus brings risk. Let's come to our first point. Knowing Jesus brings blessings. Jesus has been busy with, his, with crowds since chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew. Teaching and healing, performing miracles around the Sea of Galilee. Now it is time for Jesus to be with his disciples. Now he wants to spend a special moment with them. He wants to prepare them especially for his journey to Judea, to Jerusalem, and further to Golgotha. For this reason, he chose an area far away, Caesarea Philippi. This place is located north of the Sea of Galilee, about 25 kilometers near Mount Hermon. This was the land of pagans who worshipped the gods Baal and Pan. The selection of this pagan territory, it is this Gentile area, was perhaps a foreshadow for the disciples that later, after his ascension, they had to go to other nations, to the, to the Gentiles as well, to preach the gospel, to let all nations know that forgiveness of sins is available only. Only. Only in Jesus. That there is only one way to the Father's house, and that way is Jesus. He, the exclusive way to the Father, is now spending exclusive time with his exclusive people. In this place, Jesus began to introduce himself 
openly to his disciples. He began with what the crowd thought of him. Whom do people say the Son of Man is? And the answer, as we read, very. Some said Jesus was John the Baptist. Some said Elijah, Jeremiah, or some other prophets. So, the people's knowledge of Jesus was nothing more than that. That he was a human being with a special calling or office. In their eyes, Jesus was just a man who had a special assignment from God as a prophet. This is the <clears throat> perception of the crowd, of those who don't, do not belong to his sheep, who are not part of his circle. These were those who followed him, not because he chose them, or because they have seen and experienced the wonders and signs, but because they have eaten and have been filled with bread. The crowd followed Jesus not because of who he is, but because their needs have been satisfied. Brothers and sisters, after that, after asking who people thought Jesus was, he turned to his disciples. But what do you say? Who I am? Peter answered immediately, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. Immediately. What a wonderful recognition. What a processed knowledge. What a life-giving acknowledgement. The crowd, although they have heard, seen, and experienced Jesus' teachings and miracles, only know him as one of the prophets. But the apostles know Jesus more than that. Jesus is the anointed one, the son of the living God. He is more than just a prophet. He is God. He is the one who has come down from above to let people know who the true God is. The disciples knew who the crowds perceived Jesus to be, and yet they did not share in, that, in their perception. Peter was not influenced by what people around him were thinking of Jesus. This applies, brothers and sisters, also to us. People around us, nearby or far away, have their own ideas of whom Jesus is. Some teach that Jesus is only a human being, like one of us that has a special calling from God. Others think that Jesus might, be, might not be God because, he has, because God has no son. 
Others suppose that Jesus is not God because he never said that he is God. Others confess that Jesus is Savior, but not the only. He is one, one of among many saviors. He is not the only savior, but he is one among many saviors. Yet, brothers and sisters, we need to follow in the footsteps of the disciples, not being driven by the way people around us think or teach about Jesus. The question is, why do the disciples really, really know who he is, while the crowd do not? Why does Peter say with full conviction that Jesus is the anointed one, the son of the living God? Why he, he did not say, Lord, I'm not really sure who you are. But if I am to answer your question, you are probably God's son. No, that, is, that was not what Peter said. Peter knew for sure who Jesus was. Why? Yes, the answer is clear from verse 17. It is God's gift. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The discernment of Simon Peter and his fellow disciples concerning who Jesus is, is a gift from the heavenly Father. It does not come from human effort, or learning. It does not rise from below, but comes down from above. That was happened. That was what happened to John the Baptist. He says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, remain, this is he. So again, knowing rightly who Jesus is, is God's gift. And this, not given to everyone, but to his chosen people. The fact that the disciples knew that Jesus was the Son of God was a sign that the disciples were Jesus' chosen witnesses. To his chosen disciples, Jesus granted the ability to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. This secret is that Jesus is God's Son, and that the salvation is available only in and through Him. And in turn, 
This Jesus, not another. This Jesus alone will open the mind of God's chosen people to know who the real God is. John 1 verse 18 tells us that no one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son has made him known. Knowing and acknowledging that Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, brings blessings or happiness. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Wow, what a wonderful situation. Jesus, the word Jesus used here for blessed has the same meaning as in Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are those who poor in spirit. This same word is also used by Jesus in John 20, verse 29, when he talked to Thomas. Blessed are those who, are, who have not seen and yet have believed. In all these places, it means a transcendent happiness or a religious joy. So the meaning of this word in this context strengthens the idea that knowing Christ has its source in heaven, not here on earth. The confession that Christ is the Son of God is from God above, not from humans below. Brothers and sisters, we know Jesus. This knowledge is a sign of being part of his circle. This knowledge denotes that we are his chosen people like his disciples were. That we have been included to be his, his witnesses. That we have taken part in the gift of the Father coming from above. And this knowledge brings blessings. This knowledge brings happiness, a transcendent happiness which flows from the Father's house. Those who receive this happiness are blessed here now and forever after. So we have seen that knowing Jesus brings blessings. This is our first point. Let's now move on to our second point. Misunderstanding Jesus brings risk. We should realize that knowing Jesus does not necessarily mean that we will always understand Jesus' word properly. Knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, does not mean that we will never misunderstand God's word. 
Peter had just received, received praise from the master, his teacher, from the Lord, for his confession. He himself must, must have been very happy because after his confession of who Jesus is, Jesus tells him two important things. First one, the, the Lord's church, the Lord's church, that is those who will believe in Jesus through the preaching of the gospel by the apostles, will stand firm on the confession that Jesus is the son of the living God. The church of the Lord will be built on the gospel message preached and taught by the apostles in their office as God's spokesman. They have been chosen for that purpose. That is what we read in John 15, 16. Without this confession and without this chosen witnesses, there is no charge. So what a privilege for Peter and his fellow disciples. The second important thing that Jesus says to the disciple is that Peter and the other disciples are receiving the powers to open the door for worldwide evangelism. Jesus told them that the keys to the kingdom of heaven were given to them. This does not mean that a person's entry into heaven is determined by the apostles or Peter as Rome teaches. No. This first emphasizes that the apostles have been given power to preach the gospel to all nations. And it is the power of the preaching that opens and closes the gates of God's kingdom. After telling these two, two things, Jesus went on to talk about his sacrificial, sacrificial trip to Judea, Jerusalem, and Golgotha. He began to talk about his suffering and death. But look at what Peter's reaction. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never, never happen to you. Perhaps Peter felt that he possessed power in his hands. Jesus just entrusted him with power, didn't he? So Peter probably thought that he was the one now who decides what can and can't happen to Jesus. At the first glance, Peter's reaction seems normal. He is a disciple, he is a disciple of Jesus. He loves his master and God. So it is normal. He wants to protect him. From this point of view, Peter's reaction was a good thing. 
but notice this carefully. There must be something bad behind Peter's attitude. There must be a serious problem lying unconsciously behind Peter's effort of keeping Jesus from going to the cross. Look at what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. This must have hit Peter hard. This must have shocked the disciples. They probably looked at Peter thinking, oh, oh. What is happening with Peter? What's wrong now with him? Peter, whom Jesus has just rewarded for his confession, is now severely, severely rebuked. He who has just received the gift of knowing who Jesus is now does not understand Jesus' thoughts. Who, he who has who was just filled with the joy of knowing Jesus, is now unable to see God's plan. He who just got a new name, Peter, which means rock, he is now called Satan and is cast out. Go away. This makes one thing clear. We do not always understand Jesus' words. Our understanding is limited. We should always seek the gift of knowing and understanding from above. When Peter's thought was not in line with that of the Lord, he was in danger. He became a stumbling block, a hindrance to God's plan of salvation. But what was the real problem laying behind Peter's misunderstanding? Why he didn't want, why he did, why did he want to prevent Jesus' trip to Golgotha? Was it because of his deep love for his master? That does not seem to be the case. From the reaction of Jesus, we see that it has something to do with self-denial. Jesus shows that Peter's effort of stopping him going to Jerusalem has more to do with Peter not being ready to suffer for the sake of Jesus. Peter's effort to stop Christ from dying was motivated by his self-centered thoughts. He was setting his mind not on God. Peter probably thought that his three years laboring as Jesus' disciple, would be for nothing if 
Jesus was to die. Or perhaps Peter hoped to make Jesus king of Israel. And therefore, Jesus must stay, must stay alive. But that was not God's plan. And see, there is Satan working in Peter, using his weakness to endanger Peter himself and others. Satan makes use of Peter's self-centered thought to deceive Peter. And this may also happen to us. If the thought of making Jesus king of Israel to release them from the Roman Empire was the reason Peter didn't want Jesus to die, then Peter was wrong. Jesus came not to be king over Israel alone. That would be too small of a kingdom. He came to be king over the whole world. The prophet Isaiah foreshadowed the worldwide kingship of the Messiah, saying, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I'll make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the end of the earth. Jesus comes to bring God's light to the ends of the earth. He himself is the light of the world. And this is possible through his death on the cross. Satan never stopped trying to frustrate God's plan of salvation. He had done the same in the wilderness, but he failed. Yet he did not give up. Luke tell us, tells us in his first book that when the effort of the devil in the wilderness failed, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. Satan indeed thought that Peter's weaknesses, Peter's weakness was an opportune moment. Although Peter had been chosen to preach and to teach the gospel and therefore had been granted the gift to know Jesus, he had not understood him well enough. He still struggled with self-denial. Peter wanted to follow Jesus, being blessed with faith in him as the Messiah, the son of the living God. But Peter was not yet ready to suffer for that faith, for that confession, and for the calling to be Jesus' disciple. And see, brothers and sisters, Satan was right there, manipulating Peter's weakness. It is similar for us, brothers and sisters. Let's be aware that Satan is not far from us and wants to control us for his own sake. Peter realized this situation sometimes later, later when he wrote to the elect exiles. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devote. Peter, 
at this early stage of his faith, wanted to believe, but didn't want to suffer for it. Peter wanted to follow Jesus, but didn't want anything complicated or dangerous. Jesus could read Peter's mind. He knew that Peter's thoughts were not in line yet with God's thought. And this was dangerous for Peter. This induces Jesus to ask Peter the same question three times in John 21, verses 15 to 17. Peter, do you love me? Asking these three identical questions, Peter is being pushed to really understand his calling, not for his sake, but for the Lord's sake. Brothers and sisters, I told you an imaginary story about a young man who did not always understand his father. He knew his father's well, yet didn't always understand him. It was not always easy for him to discern his father's thoughts. Sometimes what seemed good according to his father, or according to him, was not good in the eyes of his father. We have heard Peter's problem with understanding Jesus' word. Words. He knew Jesus, but he misunderstood him. This misunderstanding had something to do with the fact that Peter was not yet ready to deny himself. And notice this carefully, brothers and sisters, Satan was there. He was right there when Peter misunderstood his Lord. He tried to manipulate Peter's lack of readiness to suffer for Jesus' sake. Now, how about us? We all know Jesus. This is, a priceless, this is a priceless news. A gift from our Heavenly Father. We thank God wholeheartedly because knowing Jesus means that we belong to the chosen people. But do we always understand his words? Is our thinking always in line with his thinking? Is our understanding of the Bible in line with that of God? Are our thoughts in accordance with that of Christ revealed in the Holy Bible? Understanding him has something to do with self-denial. Have we denied ourselves when we came to faith? Are we prepared to suffer as God's witnesses. We need to meditate what the Bible says. Seek things above where Christ is. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Jesus will surely rebuke us as well, as he did to Peter, if we follow him according to our own understanding trying to use him for our own hidden agendas. When our understanding of God's word stands in contrast to what he reveals in his word, we are in big trouble. 
And yet, we still have good news that converts us. Jesus did not cast Peter away forever. He didn't exclude Peter forever from being part of his disciples who would be given the responsibility of spreading the gospel. Peter's misunderstanding was indeed a very bad thing, endangering not only Peter himself, but also others. And Jesus rebuked Peter. But Jesus did not cast him out of the circle of the twelve. His name is not erased from the book of life. And this comforts us. On many occasions and many circumstances, we misunderstand Jesus. Our self-denial is not perfect. This may endanger us and those around us. When this happens, Jesus will rebuke us. But there is no need to be discouraged. He rebukes us as, as his children. As it is written in the letter to Hebrews 12, verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So put this firmly in your mind and be encouraged. Our God has no ex-children. Knowing Jesus as a Christ, as our Lord and Savior is the sign that we belong to God's chosen people, that we are his children. Even though our understanding of his word is not complete, he will never cast us away forever because of this incompleteness. Amen.